bring greetings to all of you again this evening. It's a privilege and a blessing to again be together in this way. Again, greatly appreciated the thoughts that were shared this evening on unity and the beauty of unity. And uh, we, he read the chapter there in John 17. That is probably one of my favorite scriptures. One of my favorite scriptures is Jesus' prayer for the church. And it's such a blessing to, to know that Jesus cares about his people. Jesus cares about the church. I'd like to begin with the verse in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to his abundant mercy hath begotten us again unto a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled, and that fadeth not away, reserved in heaven for you, who are kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. Before I go into speaking further tonight, I'd just like to take this moment to thank you as a congregation for your prayers, your Snacks after the service, going home, the baked goods, the bag of goodies last night. I don't know um, who all contributed to that, contributed to that, but it was certainly a blessing to be a part of you and the offering as well. I really enjoyed my time with you here this week. It was a short week for me, and um, I enjoyed the fellowship, and I I think you as a congregation here, you as a church, have, have something, have a lot of things going for you here. You have, you have young families, you have middle-aged couples, you have older people here, a lot of children. I love to see churches that have a lot of children because that's, there's so much potential and uh, so much opportunity. And I just want to bless you and encourage you with that this evening. I'm going to just back up a little bit. Um, I didn't feel like I was quite through with last night's topic. I wanted to go over just a few more things on as it relates to uh, resolving conflict. Um, we kind of left off a little abruptly there last night with with this thing of of resolving conflict and 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 the how Jesus taught us in Matthew 18 of if you're an offended brother or offended person, Jesus teaches us that you're to go to him and to him alone. We talked a little bit about that. I'm not going to spend a lot of time just on, on that part, accepting that I'd like to give us some some ideas or thoughts as to what should that how should that conversation be handled? Okay, you, you've got this, you're, you're offended. I mean, you have this issue with a brother in the church and, and you know that you should go talk to him. Um, you've committed yourself in prayer. You've not went around and talked to, to, a lot of the pe to other people about it. But you have this burden in your heart and, and you feel like you need to go talk to him. And so, how, how, do, how should this look? 
what are we going to do? How are we going to get this accomplished? Uh, the Bible says, go to him alone. And I believe it means go talk to him, not just on the phone. Remember the other evening I, asked, I talked a little bit about the value of, of talking to people in person. I think there is tremendous value in, in, in talking to people in person. That's the way I enjoy doing it. I, I don't care for um, heavy phone conversations. Uh, I enjoy watching people's reactions. Body language, eyes, responses, to me, speak volumes on whether or not you're getting through or not. Whether or not you're getting through. So you go to them, you go speak to them. Um, one of the things I like to, like to mention with this is do not ignore when there is conflict. Face it. Face up to it. Don't ignore it. Don't just shove it under the carpet and think that it's going to take care of itself. Face up to it. Don't be overtaken by fear. You know, fear has torment. The Bible talks about that. Don't be overtaken by fear. Take courage. Plan a, plan a meeting. Choose a place. And I mentioned last night, pray. Pray before you go. Prayer is so important. So important. And as I mentioned last evening, sometimes it just takes some prayer to even resolve the conflict. Sometimes that in itself, because of maybe some things in your own heart that you discover weren't right, and you can release that offense. Come with a positive attitude. Reconcili recon reconciliation takes priority over worship. We talked a little bit about that the other evening in Matthew chapter 5. And the brother mentioned it here about bringing your gift to the altar. And if you have aught with your brother, that you should first go and take care of that. I believe reconciliation takes priority according to that verse. Takes priority over worship. I think that's how important it is too that we be reconciled. Confess my part of the conflict. When you're together and you begin talking about this, God has spoken to you. You know, none of us are perfect. Many, many times, almost always, when there's conflict, there's two sides. And very, very rarely is one side altogether right. Almost always in conflict, there's, there's, there's some issues on both sides. Recognize that the possibility exists that you may be part of the blame, part of the, part of the problem, and be open to that. Confess my part of the conf conflict. Be humble. We all have blind spots. We talked a little bit about that last evening, about the moat and the beam. Um, consider the possibility that um, maybe you have been part of the reason for this conflict and be willing to, to admit to that. Listen for the hurt. The key to tri 
the key to try to find out where they're coming from. Remember, sometimes when we're willing to stop and just listen to a person, try to understand where he's coming from. And maybe even try to understand why he may have done what he has done. I have discovered a number of times that when I was willing to go and share with a brother, that I discovered things were completely different than what I thought they were. And you know, our minds can sometimes really, really do some stupid things to us. We begin imagining, we begin processing thoughts, and if we live with that long enough, after a bit it almost becomes a fact to us. We just know that this is the way it was. And sometimes our hearts deceive us with these things. We need to be very careful with that. Listen carefully. Listen to the other person's perspective. Lean in. Be present. Pay attention. Make sure your body language conveys that you are open to the other's per perspective. James 1.19 says, Wherefore, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath. Romans 15.2, Let every one of us please his neighbor, let every one of us please his neighbor for his good to edification. Consider, consider their perspective. Philippians 2, verse 4, Look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. The ability to show you understand how the other person feels is perhaps the single most powerful communication skill. Learning to understand or trying to understand why he feels the way he does. It allows the person to feel heard and diffuses conflict. You cannot have to, you do not have to agree with their perspective, but you can show you understand their feelings. You know, we hear this thing of, about sometimes about learning to agree to disagree. And there's, there's some truth to that. Now, I believe in the church of Jesus Christ. Unity needs to be our, our common goal and needs to be what we strive for. But I think even, even in the midst of unity, there can be differences of feelings, differences of, of how we do things. Um, and still be okay with it. I think, I think we have to learn that. That we need to be okay sometimes with a, with a bit of, uh, variety. In our congregation at Shekinah, we have, we have quite a, a wide range of, of backgrounds. Not nearly all of our people, in fact, the fairly small percentage of our people originate from the older, old order background. Um, we have River Brethren, Eastern Mennonite, Pilgrim Mennonite. We have a number of different Mennonite groups um, that, that are represented in our congregation. And I'm telling you, it, it makes for, you know, we often, whether we want to admit to it or not, we, we kind of form our way of thinking, our way of doing things around the culture in which we grew up with. And there's nothing really wrong with that. But, but when you get into a church that, that has some of these different uh, cultures, uh, it can become a challenge. And yet it's really good. I, I love 
I love the variety that we have. It brings in a lot of different perspectives on, on how people have done things. But you know, finally, we, we still need to come together in a loving and unified way. And I've been blessed with, with how that has worked for us. Focus on rec reconciliation, not resolution. Focus on reconciliation, not resolution. It's always more rewarding to dissolve the conflict than to dissolve the relationship. When a relationship dissolves because of conflict, I think that's sad. So focus on re reconciliation and not resolve. Be willing to forget and accept. Be willing to forgive and accept apologies. Be willing to take a person at his word. And sometimes be willing to just simply take it. Just take it. And if it doesn't seem like you're quite getting through, sometimes we just have to learn to accept it, to love the person in spite of, and just take it. I have found that out a number of times. Just being willing to, to accept it and take it. Be a bridge builder, not a wall builder. Be a bridge builder, not a wall builder. What's the difference? What's the difference between a bridge and a wall? Can you tell me? One connects and the other separates. Yes. We want to connect. We don't want to separate. We want to connect. Learn to be okay and love even if I don't see eye to eye on everything. I found an interesting statement about Abraham Lincoln. Abraham Lincoln was once being criticized for his attitude towards his opponents. Why do you try to make friends with them? A colleague asked. You should try to destroy them. Am I not destroying my enemies? The president asked gently. When I make them my friends. I thought that was kind of a profound statement. You see, President Abraham Lincoln realized that there is value in relationship. There's value in relationship. Destroying our enemies by becoming their friends. I know we talked the other evening about the children of God, the child of God, that has the love of Christ within him. He himself does not have enemies. Yes, there are enemies because of the cross of Christ. There are enemies because there are those that, that oppose us. But we need to love. When we love our enemies... They're not really what we call enemies because we love them. Just to kind of finish this part of our topic this evening, I'd like to just say one more story. A story of a long ago of a king who organized a great race within his kingdom. All the young men of the kingdom participated. A bag of gold was to be given to the winner and the finish line was within the courtyard of the king's palace. The race was run. The runners were surprised to find in the middle of the field the runners, the race was run. The runners were surprised to find in the middle of the road leading to the king's palace a great pile of rocks and stones. But they managed to scramble over it and to run around it and, it, and eventually to come to the courtyard. 
to the courtyard. Finally, all the runners had crossed the finish line except one. But still the king did not call the race off. After a while, one lone runner came through the gate. He lifted a bleeding hand and said, O oh, king, I am sorry, I am so late. But you see, I found, in, I found in the road a pile of rocks and stones. It took me a while, and I wounded myself in removing them. Then he lifted the other hand, and in it was a bag. He said, But great king, I found beneath the pile of rocks the bag of gold. The king said, My son, you have won the race, for the one runs best who makes the way safer for those who follow. The point I'd like to make with this story, I share this story to make a point. Resolving conflict and developing healthy brotherhood relationships is hard work at times, and in the process can get messy and may even get some minor wounds and bruises and hurts. But the hard work will be rewarded with a bag of gold. The wounds will soon be healed and forgotten because it is overtaken by the reward and rest found in resolve. There is no reward by running over the pile and dodging around it. The, re the reward is found by digging through, throwing aside the obstacles till the gold is found. You know, sometimes in our church life and in our relationships, it can get a little messy. It can get a little rocky. And sometimes we even get a little hurt. We get some bruises from that. But you know what? When we root through those things, we take care of them, and we get to the gold. It's worth it all. It's worth it all. Resolve, conf resolve conflict brings freedom, brings rest, and paves a way forward. Not only does it bring freedom and rest, but it opens the path for those that follow. I have seen situations where unresolved conflict continued for year after year after year after year. And not only for that generation, but it followed on down through parents, children, having the same traits that's what I'm trying to bring out with this point. We need to have high priority to resolve conflicts. Get those rocks out of the way. Pave the way so that it can be, bring freedom and rest to those who follow. All right, tonight uh, I'd like to leave that and I'd like to close this series with talking about caring. Caring. Caring is such an important part in brotherhood relationships. I, I was moved this evening as I observed what happened here when this brother was willing to be transparent with himself and he exposed his struggles. And then our brother Daniel came forward and gave prayer. That told me that brother Daniel cared about this young man. He cared. I tell you, these are things that are so important in relationships. Caring. Caring. I'd like to turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 12 as a beginning scripture on this subject. 1 Corinthians chapter 12.
Again, reading at verse 12, For as the body is one, and hath many members, and all the members of that one body, being many, are one body, so also is Christ. For by one Spirit are we all baptized into one body, whether we be Jews and, Greek and Gentiles, whether we be bond or free, or, and have all been made to drink into one Spirit. For the body is not one, for the body is not one member, but many. If the foot shall say, Because I am not the, not the hand, I am not of the body, it is therefore, is it not therefore of the body? And if the ear shall say, Because I am not the eye, I am not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? If the whole body were an eye, where were the hearing? If the whole were a hearing, where were the smelling? smelling? But now hath God set the members, every one of them, in the body as it pleased him. And if they were all one member, where were the body? But now are they many members, yet but one body. And the eye cannot say unto the hand, I have no need of thee, nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of thee. Nay, much more, nay, much more these members of the body, which seem to be more feeble, are necessary. And these members of the body, which we think to be less honorable upon these, we bestow more abundant honor, Honor and our uncomely parts have more abundant, abundant comeliness. For our comely parts have no need, but God hath. For our comely parts have no need, but God hath tempered the body together, having given more abundant honor in that part which lacketh, that there be no schisms in the body, but that the members should have the same care one for another. And whether one member suffer, all the members suffer with it, or one member is honored, all the members rejoice with it. Now ye are the body of Christ, and members in particular. I'm going to cease reading there. The two verses especially I'd like to look at here is, is verse 25 and 26. And there should be no schism in the body, but that the members should have the same care one for another. And whether one member suffer, all the members suffer with it. And one member be honored, all the members rejoice with it. But he, I, I like the way scripture is, is so plain and so simple. You know, he, he uses the simplicity of, of the human body. You know, about the eyes and about the eyes and the ears and you know, my ears can't do what my eyes do. Neither can my feet do what my hands do. And yeah, just suppose my feet all of a sudden would say, you know what, I'm not going to, I want to be the hand. I mean, how ridiculous would that look? So the hand would try to come up to, to scratch my itchy back. Or the foot would cut, try to come up to scratch my itchy back instead of my hand. And, uh, can you imagine the confusion and the ridiculousness of that? And how stupid that would look. But, you know, isn't that kind of in the practical form a little bit what it can look like when we begin to try to fill places in the church that we're not meant to fill. Um, we're all gifted differently. And, and Scripture is so beautiful how it talks about the giftings of the church and learning to accept your role. Learning to be okay with your role. Learning to 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 love it and and exceed in it and I, and you know I'm not saying that we have to try to 
okay, now I got this gift and this is what I'm going to succeed in and this is the only thing I can do. That's not what I'm talking about. I think God can use use us in, in ways that um, we don't think we can be used sometimes. Uh, but I believe that that it is important that when we're given a task to do in church or when we're called upon to do something, that we fill that calling in the fear of God and do it right, do it well. Pay attention to it. Caring for one another. I have a couple of different things here in, in this thing of caring. Caring for your pastors. I can talk pretty free here tonight because I might say a few things here tonight that I wouldn't say at home. But caring for your pastors, I think that is so important in the church that that you pay close attention to what's going on in your pastor's life. Care for them. First Timothy chapter 5, verse 12, And we beseech you, brethren, to know them, which labor among you and are over you in the Lord and admonish you. What does it mean to know the pastor? To know your pastor in this sense. Know them. It's more than just a handshake after church. It's more than just seeing, watching him preach Sunday mornings. It needs to go further than that. It's more than just that. Know them. For you men that are married, how did you learn to know your wife? How did you learn to know your wife? Spend time with her. There was another one here. Talking to her. You communicated. You spent time. You had an interest in her. Um, you began dating her and, and you got together and you became married and, and you had a relationship. In that same way, learn to know your pastors by relating with them. Love them. Care for them. Communicate with them. Send them notes of affirmation and encouragement. Gift cards to a restaurant to take their families out. Uh, for supper or to take their wives out. Support them financially. You know, this thing of financial support, I, I am quite okay and satisfied the way that our churches do it. But you know, I, I think one of the things that we could maybe do a little better in is, is supporting even more financially. Um, and that varies. You know, some, some, are, some pastors may be well taken care of, have good businesses, but then there are others that struggle. I have seen pastors that struggle and struggle and struggle financially. You know, we have all of the same responsibilities or most of the same responsibilities that all the rest of you do. We have our families to take care of. We have our jobs. We have other responsibilities. And on top of all of that, we have the care for the church. I'm telling you, for us to be able to do that properly and right, it takes time. It takes a lot of energy and a lot of time. It takes a lot of time. Be mindful of that. Be mindful of that. You know, sometimes it can be just a little thing of, of 
Sending, sending them a text, telling them you're thinking about them. That, that, that is something that has been so good for me. I, just, a, just a number of weeks ago, several weeks ago, uh, I received an email or a text, I'm not sure which it was anymore, from, from one of our brothers. and He just said how he appreciates how I lead the church and, and, and the way we take care of things and, and so on. He just, and you know what? Right at the time I was struggling with something. Something that we were faced with in the church. Another time. This was soon after I was ordained as bishop. It was about probably a half a year or a year after I was ordained bishop. We were faced with an issue that, and I don't think this individual knew anything about what the ministry was faced with. We were faced with an issue that I knew that if it's not handled properly, it has the potential of causing a lot of problems. And um, I received this note one day. I think it came through the mail. And this individual just shared how that they're praying. I don't think they knew anything about what we're going through. Do you know what? The Spirit of God prompted, prompted that person to send that note. And it was a shot in the arm and it gave me courage to go on. I'm telling you, these things, these things mean a lot. They mean a lot. And they give us what we need to go on. I'd just like to encourage you here as a church, care for your pastors. Care for your pastors. When you feel prompted to send them a note or Put a letter in your mailbox, whatever it may be, a word of encouragement. Um, don't just push that aside. I think the Spirit of God sometimes has ways of working those things. And I've had numerous of notes, cards in our mailbox different times. And I just, and sometimes it, it's those very moments when we just need it. And, and God has a beautiful way of, of working with those things. And then the second thing I like to look at is care for those who are bruised and struggling. I'd like to turn to Luke chapter 10. Pray, care for those who are bruised and struggling. As a church body, probably all of us at times have, have members or individuals among us that are, that are really, really struggling. And I know that, I trust I'm not taking this scripture out of context when I use it in this, in this study. But I'd just like to look briefly at this account of the, Samar the Good Samaritan. I'd like to begin reading in verse 25. And behold, a certain lawyer stood up and tempted him, saying, Master, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? Let's remember that question. What shall I do to inherit eternal life? I'm going to drop down to verse 29. But he willing to justify himself said unto Jesus, And who is my neighbor? The question was, What shall I do to inherit, inherit eternal life? Jesus answers that question like this. Jesus answered and said, A certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho, and fell among thieves, which stripped him of his raiment, and wounded him, and departed, leaving him half dead. 
And by chance there came down a certain priest that way, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. And likewise a Levite, when he was at that at the place, came and looked on him and passed by on the other side. But a certain Samaritan, as he journeyed, came where he was. I just like to look at the different things that took place here with this good Samaritan. He came where he was. He saw a need. He saw a need. He was willing to do something about the need. The priest and the Levite walked around on the other side and he left him lay there. Didn't care. The Samaritan saw the need. You know, we need to be open to needs. We need to be alert to needs. And it doesn't have to be the pastor's job to do all of that. In fact, we don't reach around. You people need to be aware of that yourself as well. Be sensitive to the needs of the congregation. When you see a need, do something about it. He saw it and he had compassion on him. He had compassion on him. I can't imagine this person looked very good. He was bruised. He was laying in the ditch. He was bleeding. He was hurt. He didn't look very attractive. But he went down. He, he had compassion on him. He went to him. He bound up his wounds. I love that. He bound up his wounds. I don't know what he had to bind up his wounds. But it says he bound up his wounds, pouring in oil and wine. He did, he, he gave him something to bring healing to those wounds. He gave him something to bring healing to those wounds. There's hurts among our churches at times. There's hurts among us. What are we doing about it? What are we doing about it? Are we willing to go to pour in the oil, the healing, the oil and wine? He sacrificed his own beast. He sacrificed his own comfort for the sake of caring for the wounded. He placed him on his own beast. He brought him to the inn. He took him to a place that he would be, that his wounds could find the attention that they needed for healing. You know, there are times when we find ourselves a bit inadequate to know exactly how to work with a situation. The point I'd like to make with this is Let's lead them to someone that is able to help them. Let's lead them to someone that is able to help them if we feel that we don't have the ability to do it. You know, we have different gifts and different talents. And sometimes there are other brothers or, or other Christians that can do it better than we can. But let's help them find that. Let's help them find that. 
take care of him. He supported him financially. He supported him financially. Not only did he see all these needs, not only did he do all these things for him, but he also supported him financially. And these are all things, I think, that we need to pay, pay close attention to and care to. Care for each other. Care for those who are bruised and struggling. The lawyer's question was, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus answered that question in this story. He answered that question by saying, by caring for those who are hurting. By caring for those who are hurting. We can look at Matthew chapter 25. I think I will. I think I'll just turn to that. Matthew chapter 25. And this is all in the context of caring. Matthew 25, verse 31. When the Son of Man shall come in His glory and all the holy angels with Him, then shall He sit upon the throne of His glory and before Him shall be gathered all nations and He shall separate one from another as a sheep divideth his sheep from the goats. And He shall set the sheep on His right hand but the goats on the left. Then shall the king say unto them on his right hand, Come, ye blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom prepared, prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was an hunger, and ye gave me meat. I was an hunger, and ye gave me meat. Somebody cared. Somebody cared about the hungry. And I think we can apply this to both physical and spiritual hunger. Are you alert to the needs within the congregation? Spiritual hunger. There is sometimes some spiritual hunger that is not being taken care of. Perhaps it may be something that we could say, we could make the excuse, what's well, because that they're not taking care of their spiritual life. But if you're recognizing it, Ask God to give you wisdom. Pray about the matter. Maybe you can give him some food. Maybe you can give him something. For I was hungered, and ye gave me meat. I was thirsty, and ye gave me drink. You know, this is the kind of thing that don't sit, don't happen sitting at home on my easy chair. This is the kind of thing that we need to use our hands, our feet, our eyes, our lips. We need to use them. These are physical things. I was thirsty and you gave me drink. I was a stranger and you took me in. Being hospitable. Taking those in that are out there. Naked, and ye clothed me. I was sick, and ye visited me. I was in prison, and ye came unto me. These are things that Jesus said is, is what it takes to inherit eternal life. Comes back to the question with the Good Samaritan. What must I do 
to inherit eternal life. Caring, caring for those that God brings into our path. Caring for the church. Caring for those without the church. Visiting the sick. Feeding the poor. Visiting those that are in prison. Whether it be physical prison. Some people are in prison and in bondage to their own hurt. Some people are in bondage spiritually and in prison. What are we doing about it? Caring. Caring for each other. Identify needs. Be sensitive to people. Listen to statements made. Analyze actions. I've already found it interesting even to just have an ear to listen to what the songs get picked at church. What do you think might be happening when somebody picks a song, Does Jesus Care? Does Jesus care when I'm... Well, it just may be possible that there's a specific reason why that individual chose that song. Maybe he's struggling. Maybe she's struggling. And she decided she'd like to hear that song or sing that song. And I don't think, think it would be anything wrong with just going up to that individual after the, after the service and say, I appreciated that song. Is there something that you're struggling with? And if there isn't, fine. But at least you had a caring heart. And you know, I think we need to care without always knowing all the details. We don't need to know all the details of why people are struggling when we care. We don't need to know all the details, but just let them know that we care. It's so important. Feel for the person. Feel for the person. Know what to do when needs are identified. Condition your mind. Know what to do when needs are identified. Be confidential. Be confidential. That is so important in relationships. Confidentiality. When a person, when you care for a person and a person begins pouring out his heart to you and he shares with you some very personal things, keep it confidential. Don't go spread it around. Don't go, don't go tell somebody else. I'll tell you, it's so important in relationships that we learn to be confidential. Keep it to yourself. Especially if it's shared in a confidential matter, manner. Provide source of satisfaction. I believe it's so important that we're willing to care for each other. Care for each other. Be sensitive to each other. Be sensitive to each other's convictions, to each other's values. The things you hold dear, they hold dear. God has called us, I believe as church, as brothers, to be that kind of people. And I believe that when we learn to care the way God wants us to care, conflicts will become much, much less. And maybe, you know, I, I made a statement last night that I've decided, or in, in my observation of church life, that conflicts are inevitable. And I still believe that. 
But I believe we can come to the place where conflicts can become, conflicts can be a minor thing, can be a minimum, a very minimal thing when we care for each other as God wants us to care. Because if we care, we're going to be concerned about others. We're not going to be looking at just ourselves and how that we feel. We're not going to be so concerned that my needs are met. If you want to find fulfillment in Christ, you want to find fulfillment in Christ, be of service to others. And God will bless you and bring fulfillment. The conclusion of this week, love is the key to success of all relationships. We talked about that a number of times. Love is the key to success of all relationships. So important. It gets its hands dirty. It takes a chance. It goes out on a limb. Love makes a statement and leaves a legacy. It does the unexpected, surprising, and stirring. It, it performs acts that steal the, steal the heart and leaves an impression on the soul. Often these acts are never forgotten. Probably all of us can think of something that happened in our life where an individual interceded in a, in a beautiful way. I can think of times when somebody just came up, you know, when I was struggling or, or, or something happened and, or going through trials or struggles, going through losses and the beauty of caring people. We've experienced that a number of times. The beauty of caring people. It's so beautiful and so blessed and such an opportunity to be a part of church, to be a part of the kingdom of God and to enjoy church life. I'd just like to encourage you here tonight. Put your heart into church work. Put your heart into the church. It's a part of God's kingdom. Jesus died for it. Jesus loves it. His primary focus in his prayer was unity in the church. One of his primary focuses was unity in the church. That's what God wants for us. In the end, the goal of the Christian life is love. The measure of our maturity is our love for God and our love for others. If we fail in our love, we have missed what it means to be a Christian. I believe that with all my heart. If we fail in our love, we have missed what it means to be a Christian. But there is hope for the one who has failed in love. The Lord who gave even those who crucified him. He said, forgive them, Father, for they know not what they do. The Lord Jesus that said that about those who crucified him is there to bring healing to your heart. He wants to show his mercy toward you to cleanse your loveless life, your loveless heart, and fill you with his loving Holy Spirit. Friends, tonight, 
That's what we want. That's what we want as God's people. I'd like to close by reading 2 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 11. Finally, brethren, farewell. Be perfect, be of good comfort, be of one mind, live in peace. And the God of love and peace shall be with you. God bless you.